From a dot in the middle of the map, this is Midwesternish. I'm Gina Kaufman. It, it would start with this whole process of, you know, my mom would shampoo my hair and condition it and kind of get it all combed out. And hair really wasn't her thing. So uh, there was a young lady in the neighborhood uh, named Vanelle. And her and her sisters, uh, Nini, they were just known, like they were the neighborhood braiders. And every little girl just looked forward to the opportunity to get their hair braided. Braiding hair. What could be less controversial than that? A lot of things, actually. I believe that the way the Missouri laws are set up, it takes away someone's ability to take a, a God-given tradition and talent and turn that into a, an ability to have commerce and be an entrepreneur. Here's what she's talking about. The state of Missouri requires 1,500 hours of cosmetology classes and fees adding up to at least $12,000 for a license to braid hair professionally outside your own home even if you've been braiding hair your entire life. There is a racial component to it, and it makes people uncomfortable. They they don't want to talk about it, but let's face it. It disenfranchises people of African descent, and there's no way to mince words on this. Earlier this year, a proposal to change Missouri's hair braider requirements, dubbed the Hair Braiding Freedom Act, passed the House, but the Senate, curiously, never brought it up for discussion. Hair braiding legislation might seem like a total anomaly, but it's not. Just this year, South Dakota and Indiana both passed laws that would exempt hair braiding from cosmetology regulations. On this episode, African hair braiding in the Midwest, or what happens when you take something people have been doing on living room floors for generations and turn it into a business with rules. Charmelle Winsett owns a salon where she offers a lot of services, including African-style braids. It's a job, but it's more than that, too. Braiding is often kind of a rite of passage um, in many communities of African descent. It just becomes a part of the fabric of the community in many ways. What do you think, more broadly, a hairstyle means? Are there things that we don't fully appreciate about the symbolism behind our hairstyle choices? You know, I think hair, you know, it's it's our crowning glory, particularly as we talk about current day 2017. The thing that excites me as a cosmetologist is this rebirth of black women um, and women of color in general getting in touch with their their roots and becoming comfortable with rocking the afro, um, rocking their braids, their their locks, their twists. I am super excited to see people just be comfortable um, and accepting what God gave them. And as a stylist, I, it's my um, goal to uh, allow people to just feel comfortable in their skin. I think as women, we, we are shamed in so many areas of our life. And so for me, whether you want to rock an afro or whether you want to rock blonde extensions, I, I want you to feel empowered. And I think hair is empowerment. Charmel has completed all the requirements to be a professional hair braider in Missouri. Here's some of what you learn when you do all that training. So you you learn the anatomy and physiology of, of hair. You will study um, dermatitis, um, psoriasis, uh, 
eczema or just some of the few uh, skin conditions that you will learn about. You also learn about important things like sanitation, how to properly cleanse, you know, your your shears and your combs and how not to um, pass um, bloodborne pathogens um, to other people. Still, 1,500 hours, even if all you want to do is braid hair? I, so, you know, this is a touchy subject. And the reason why it's a touchy subject is that you have a, an ancient African tradition that has been around since the beginning of time. And, you know, African braiding, it, it really represented a cultural form of, of pride. And so when we talk about, uh, you know, the laws, I, I think that one of the biggest issues is that uh, the laws are being made by people who haven't brought anyone that these laws affect to the table. And so uh, do I think laws should be in place? I believe that anyone that has a place of commerce and they're taking people's money. I think there should be some sort of technical license required. However, what I what I don't want and I don't agree with is making the regulation and the fees attached to it so high that you disenfranchise the very people that started the tradition. And therein lies the problem. Um, the people that are making the regulations, they make the fees very high. And the worst part about this is in the test and the curriculum, there's nothing in the curriculum about African braiding, and that's absurd. So my, my stance on this is the representatives, and I hope some of them are listening today, you need to go into your communities and get some African braiders on the Board of Cosmetology. That's number one. Number two, before you start to propose laws, the fees need to be in proportion to people's income. Um, so I, I don't think the regulations need to be um, extensive. I don't think they need to be far-reaching. I think they need to be very specific, and that's just around sanitation, around recognizing, you know, hair conditions. I just, I, I think a lot of the, the state regulations sometimes are done to deter people, and I think um, anyone of African descent that wants to carry on the tradition, I think they should be able to do that. For me personally, braiding became, it was very natural because as a child, I'm watching my mom uh, braid hair and, you know, you see these, these styles done over and over. So you're able to just grasp it that way. That's Samima Williams. She hasn't been able to meet the licensing requirements to braid hair at her salon. So she does nails. Samima's parents both came here from Liberia in 1975 when her dad got into a local college on a soccer scholarship. It was her mom who taught her how to braid hair. That helped her meet people when she first arrived, but it was also a way to make some extra money for the family. Well, for one, the Liberian community at the time that my parents were here and when I was growing up, which would have been in the 80s, um, it was very small. Everyone knew everyone, and it was very cultural and uh, family-oriented. Then hair braiding is part of uh, Liberian culture or, or African culture, to say the least. Not all African women braid. My mom happened to be a braider and was very good at that. So when you're away from home and you're you you know you're able to interact with someone that you share the same culture with and they can give a service that you're accustomed to, that's how she started to just braid. And then other citizens within the community that would see other Liberian women, whether at school or at work, would ask, well, who braided your hair? And then that's how it just grew from there. When did you learn? 
I would start practicing with my dolls. So when she had a client and there was extra hair lying around for a style, I've watched her. And if I could get the scraps, I would play with my doll. And then eventually, whenever she would allow me to touch my hair, you know, I would try and do the mimic what she was doing on myself. And it graduated from that to me taking my friends as clients. For our listeners who have never done this, and maybe, I mean, I'm thinking about especially men who have always maybe had short hair and have no idea what the experience of braiding is like. Can you describe what happens during this process? Well, the process is really, really uh, depends on the the type of style that is selected. Um, Some styles can be braided and they're very simple. I mean, they can be anywhere from an hour to two hours to upwards of 18 hours for some styles. 18 hours? Yes. There are some styles that are very intricate and time consuming, but... Wait, tell me about the 18 hour hair braiding. It can be something that is like, uh, they're considered very micro um, so it may be micro braids or micro twist. And if you have one technician that's practicing on, or performing that particular style on an individual, it's one person. So you may have hundreds of braids in that, in, you know, in the hair, and it can take a, a significant amount of time. However, um, because hair braiding in our culture is used as a bonding experience, um, someone may have traveled afar to come and sit with you. It may be a family member. So you don't really feel the time as being, you don't really see the style as being as time consuming because you're bonding, you're eating, you're catching up and things like that. Oh, so it's, it sounds like a lot of times getting your hair done, if, if it's really just, I need it cut and it's time or I need it colored, it's time can be kind of transactional. You know what I mean? I pay you money. You send me on my way. Hopefully it doesn't take too long. But this is a less transactional thing. So you're not just wishing the time to to be done with. Sometimes I I like to look at it as as a social art. Um, it's something that, you know, you, you really can form a relationship with your braider. Perhaps they are someone that really cares about their craft. And over the course of that time, you can develop a pretty intimate relationship. Because if you think about it, you're sitting with them for maybe five hours or eight hours. So there's a lot to really talk about. And you can, sometimes people open up, you know, about some really deep and personal things. And that relationship can really be developed over that style. Samaima says the requirements may keep people from braiding hair in commercial spaces, but there's no stopping a cultural practice that spans generations and continents. I would say that with the licensing requirements that Missouri uh, imposes, I, I really believe that it hasn't really hindered Africans from practicing what is common to us. However, it just doesn't, it prohibits them from sharing with the public. It doesn't allow that public platform that would be great to to share with with other members in the community. So you're saying people within their own communities would continue braiding hair no matter what, just whether there would be a storefront where someone else could come in and say, hey, I want to try that too. Absolutely. However, one of the other issues that that comes across with this law being in place to where it prohibits African braiders from from performing braids with the public, it kind of is a negative thing for from the lawmaker standpoint, because what happens is now um, everyone has a platform what on social media or you can now braid someone's hair and display your your craft on Instagram or Facebook. And we're serving a demographic that they're not concerned with regulations. They're concerned with, could you make my hair look like this? So by imposing that law, 
you know, the state of Missouri really can't come into your home, per se, and violate your personal space to regulate what you're doing. However, if they would modify the law to where maybe, you know, it's an eight-hour training program, that communication needs to be emphasized, sanitation practices need to be learned, uh, things of that nature, um, I think that braiders would be encouraged to do that, and the public can now share in our culture, but it also allows the state to have some form of regulation to say, okay, I can regulate you and see if you're practicing properly. But it's not, that law is not going to deter uh, someone of African descent from getting their hair braided. It, it, that's just not possible. It's part of who we are. Would you want to perform hair braiding Absolutely. Absolutely. That is that is my culture, and I'm so proud of who I am and my, my culture, my heritage. That is the fabric of me. And it is so nice to be able, it would be great to allow my my clients to experience that. Um, also, I would love to have a platform by having the law change to be able to possibly employ other uh, women of African descent that can share their culture with the public as well. But that is not the case in Missouri right now. However, Kansas does allow you to do so. This episode of Midwesternish was produced by Matt Hodap and Matthew Long Middleton. Sylvia Maria Gross is our editor. You can subscribe to this podcast on NPR One or wherever you generally do that kind of thing. And I also host a talk show on Kansas City's public radio station, KCUR 89.3. It's called Central Standard. Head to kcur.org if you want to check it out. I'm Gina Kaufman. Hey, this is Matt Hodap, the producer of Midwesternish. We know you've been enjoying our podcast, but we really need to take a summer break. And I know, I know, how will you get great Midwest stories in the meantime? Well, you can always listen to our previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts, and I promise we will be back in August. Until then, thanks for listening.